0: Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Uh, It is is good to be here. Uh, It's my second week back from from sabbatical. Uh, Missed you guys if you haven't seen it, and I want to say hello to our online family as well as our in-person family. I want to just clear up a couple of things. Number one is there had been uh, a few questions emailed me about one of the sermons we did a few weeks ago. There were some questions about whether we were orthodox in our views of the Trinity. The answer is yes, we're orthodox in our views. If you ever question our theology, you can certainly go to the website where it has our beliefs. We also encourage you to ask questions. Don't make assumptions. Uh, We're happy to answer questions. In fact, it, it sparked... Intense and vigorous and, how would you say, passionate debate uh, that was really fun, um, sort of, (laughs) amongst the pastors and I. But we have been orthodox. We remain orthodox and not planning to change. So that's good. The second thing to let you know is next week you know we, we do not receive a pastor's appreciation offering in October, which is Pastor's Appreciation Month we always do it here at the holiday season when it's you know kind of it's everybody likes to get a little something during the holidays so next week we'll be receiving an offering for our pastoral team encourage you all to be here and participate in that both online and in person uh, i think it, you, you just have to send give pastors uh, to the normal text to give number and it'll actually work out but what are we doing today well today we're starting a series and it is our our Christ, thanksgiving to christmas series now by tradition something called Advent. You guys know what Advent is? The Advent season should begin next week because Christmas Eve actually is the fourth Sunday before Christmas. However, because Christmas Eve is the fourth Sunday, I exercised pastoral privilege and we're beginning our Advent series this week. All right, so we're doing it a week earlier than than tradition dictates. And so let's just talk about Advent. Uh, How many of you grew up in a congregation where you did something with Advent? half dozen of you guys. I, I didn't grow up in a congregation that did anything because we didn't go to church. Okay, So I, I, didn't, I didn't know what it was. I never saw what it was. And I, I realized that Advent is something that has kind of become out of favor and distorted. In fact, if you, if you Google Advent calendars, you'll find Advent calendars that have everything from 28 jokes of the day that every day during Advent, you can encourage yourself with a dad joke. Not against dad jokes, not sure what that has to do with Jesus. You can find a chocolate of the day. You have 28 different chocolates. You open a little window up and there's chocolates in there. there there's all kinds, there's a, there's a motivational thought for the day. There's, there's even one if you're, you know, there's 28 different whiskeys and you can open it up and, and have a different whiskey, which seemed, I don't know what that says. But, but the traditional idea of Advent, and I, I don't, many of you may know this and, and many of you may not. Traditionally, when Advent was initiated in about the 4th or the 5th century and for literally 1,000 plus years, what Advent was was an encouragement from church elders and church leaders to Christians to take the month before the Christ mass, before the celebration of the birth of the Christ child, to really prepare themselves spiritually for his second coming. Okay, that's what Advent is—a word that means coming. It means to arrive. You know, it's—it's that's the derivation or the etymology of it. But but with with the church, we've sort of kind of walked away from that, and so I really felt led this year to kind of take us back to our roots as as Christians and really talk about when we think of the birth of Christ and we want to celebrate Christmas. We're going to have a great Christmas celebration here at, at Encounter. It's going to be wonderful on Christmas Eve. But I really want us to take this approximate month and really think about what does it mean to me, to me personally, that Jesus promised to come back. And each week during the Advent, there's a a theme by tradition, and and the themes are are hope and joy and love and peace, and the first by tradition is hope. And So I want to talk about hope, but I want to talk about hope from the standpoint of what does it mean to have Christ-centered hope. What does Christian hope look like as opposed to just regular hope? And what Jesus' second coming gives us hope in? Because it's really important to know that. All right? So we began to talk about hope, and the first place I'd like us to go is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. This is probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible about hope. It says, Three things will last forever. How long will these three things last? Forever. They're not going away. These three things last forever. Faith, hope, and love And the greatest of these is love. Now, there has been some teaching in the charismatic word faith movement, of which I came out of, or still am in, depending on how you want to look at it, that kind of says that hope is sort of, is sort of you know, weak faith. And that have you ever heard a sermon on that that says, you need to go from hope to faith. You need to have faith. Faith is what moves the hand of God. Anybody ever heard a sermon on that? Yeah, of course we have. Well, the problem with that is... Faith, hope, and love are all three gifts of God. And we'll talk a little more about that. And to me, faith is not better than hope. Hope and faith and love work together. They're a threefold cord. And when we understand how they all work together, then we, we realize what God means for each to be a blessing. How I guess I should say it better. How God means for each to bless us in our lives. Now, now, when you look at that word hope, and, and it's, the word is, is E-L-P-I-S in the Greek, it is an expectation or desire for a positive future event or outcome. It's how you see the future. Jesus' promise to return one day should change how you see the future for yourself, for me, for the body of Christ, how you evaluate current events and current events in your life, current events in the global world. Because we know that Christ is returning, but he's not returning as a sacrifice, he's returning as a Lord, as Savior, to, to, to begin to do some things. And when you go to Strong's Bible Dictionary and you look at that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 and you, you look at the difference between hope, which is E-L-P-I-S, and faith, which is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, they draw a differentiation, and many people who write commentaries draw this same differentiation. They say this. Faith is, is like, a, like a legal term. It's being absolutely certain of something. And it tends to appeal to the intellectual realm. It tends to be an intellectual revelation of a truth. Hope has an implication of emotions tied to it. If you can think about it, if faith has to do with the head, hope has to do with the heart. It's how you feel about yourself and your future. How do you see yourself in the context of what's going on in the broader world? And and I'll say this, the opposite of hope is despair. It's looking at yourself and saying, man, nothing good is going to happen to me. I've made too many mistakes. There's too many things gone wrong. And that is not how God wants us to live. God gives us this gift of faith, hope, and love to work together. In fact, it it says this in Romans 15, 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, where does hope come from? God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Do you see how our emotions are affected? Joy and peace are emotional type you know, expressions. How we, you know, we should be feeling different about the future because of what God is doing in us. And so then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is a work of the Spirit of God just as much as other things in our lives. I, I love the miraculous. I love seeing the Holy Spirit move out and prophetic things and all of those things. However, hope and changing our view of ourselves and the, how we feel about the life is a wonderful gift of God that is manifest through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this, and this is really important to remember. Emotionally healthy people have hope if you are living in despair, something is wrong with your relationship with God. Because that's not where God wants you to live. God gave you hope. He's the source of hope. We're supposed to be hopeful. In fact, it kind of makes sense when you read Proverbs 13:12. it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life you know, that, that that feeling. Now, I'm going to date myself, okay? I'm 61 years old. People of my generation, during the Christmas season, used to get a great inrush of hope when into our mailboxes, Sears Roebuck Corporation delivered something called the Big Wish Book. Does anybody even remember Sears Roebuck in this house? Okay, does anybody remember the Big Wish Book? For those of you who are not 61, what it was was a catalog, and a catalog is like a magazine with gifts in it and stuff you could shop from, okay? But this was thick, and this had every toy that Sears Roebuck offered. And as kids, we would wait by the mailbox for the Sears Roebuck catalog. It would show up, and we would devour it. We would flip through the pages and go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh. And then we'd go show our parents, and we'd say, we want that and that and that and that and that creating a little materialistic, you know, <laughs> children, you know, who, who, you know, had this weird thing. So, so we had a great hope and an expectation that Christmas morning, at least something we showed them in the catalog would show up under the tree. But, but biblical hope is so much deeper than that, particularly hope that is centered on the revelation that Christ will return. So what is it about his return that causes us to hope in certain things. And what are those things? Well, let's let's keep going to this. The first thing that his return does is, is we have hope that Christ's return will bring justice. Anybody notice some injustice going on in the world recently? Some unfair things happening, some good people being treated bad, some bad people being treated good, some people who shouldn't prosper, prospering, some people who ought to prosper, not prospering. There is all kinds of injustice in this world. We live in a broken world, and I believe we're to work for justice. I believe as as Christians we're to say, not thy will but yours be done. Let heaven come into earth. And I think that's what we should work for. But never let us lose sight of the fact that God will bring justice to this world. People were persecuted during the writing of the first of the Bible, particularly Paul's epistles. And there is this powerful verse that he wrote out of Second Thessalonians one. It says, "In verse, beginning in verse six, for after all, it is only just for God, only just for God, to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Come on, and to give relief to you who are afflicted." And to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution, there's a word, to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, we could do a whole series of what it means to be glorified you know by, by God, and to be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. That's a pretty tough verse, isn't it? Now here's the deal. God tells us to love our enemies, to pray for our enemies, to to seek His, his grace in their life so that they'll come to the saving knowledge of Christ. That's His will that all men will come to repentance, but never let his grace cause you to question his divine justice. And we can look at the world right now and say, there's a lot of things happening that aren't right, but let me assure you, nobody, nobody gets away with doing wrong and blessing eternally for it. Nobody, unless you come under the grace of God. And that's something that, that we, can, we can take encouragement from. We're not being persecuted the way the first century Christians were, but, but there's some stuff going on right now that ain't right. And, we, and Christians are mocked, and Christians are marginalized, and Christians are, 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 are pushed to the corner, not only in America, but all over. But the, the sad reality is, is these people who are pushing us are, are storing up for themselves wrath for the day of when he returns. And so we don't have to worry about making it all right. All week. We don't always have to defend ourselves, I need to say. We know that somebody else is going to come to our defense. And I can take joy in that. And that's not perverse. It's not. God's justice is coming. Second thing, though, we can have hope for. We have hope to be glorified by our works as we wait. God is glorified by you doing good stuff, you reaching into the world and making a difference, you... Finding within yourself the gifts and the talents that he put there. You recognizing the opportunities that that he has brought to you and saying, wow, God has given me an opportunity to do something that matters and he gets glory when I do it. I, 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 I love this passage. To this end, also, we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're gonna make a difference in this world. You can have hope for that. You don't even have to question that you're not gonna make a difference. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you, part of our problem is, is our world's definition of people who have significance or people who make a difference is jacked up. Okay? If you don't have two million followers on social media, you don't matter. How stupid is that? Are you going to tell me that meeting with people to have a coffee and talk about life and share one on one or maybe two on one or, or even in a Bible study, that there's no significance in that? That that doesn't matter? What an idiotic assumption. And it's idiotic because it doesn't agree with the Word of God. God means for us to be impactful. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to be a celebrity. We're not all going to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and that's okay. All right? You know, it, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, but I do not have to be afraid that somehow my life loses significance. Even in the later seasons of life, there, there is this, this throwaway concept now. That somehow you you hit middle age or you hit your senior years and oh you know he used to be able to do something that mattered but not now. By the way, do you know how when do you know how to tell when you hit middle age? You know what I mean okay, let me give you the, the the absolute best definition: the day you get out of bed and you stand on your feet and something hurt hurts that didn't hurt when you got into bed. You come on, there's some amens in this house. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You get up and you st- put your foot down, your ankle goes, ow, what the heck is that? That wasn't hurting when I went to bed. That felt fine last night, but it don't feel, come on now, there's some amens in this house. Let me just tell you, that's the moment when you've hit middle age. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands to know who those are. I'm just telling, come on now, it, it's, it's there. But just because you're, you're 70 or 80 or 90 doesn't mean your life doesn't have impact, doesn't mean it doesn't have significance. Because the Bible says because Christ is coming back, he wants all of us to work until we're taken to be with him. Might be praying, might be interceding, might be serving. Who knows? That's a promise. You know some, Jesus, you're coming back someday, and you want all of your followers, all of your believers, to have a hope that their life and their walk with you is supernaturally empowered to make an impact. And maybe it doesn't match the world's definition, but it doesn't mean it isn't important. I think that's cool. All right. What else do we have hope in? We have a hope, speaking of middle age, that Christ's return will bring an end to death and decay. I'm going to read this to you from Romans 8. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of his future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights, our full rights, as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Jesus Christ did not die for you to live in a sick body. He didn't. He died for you to live in a healthy body. And, and I believe in present-day miracles. We see present-day miracles. I had a man email me who used to go to the old Happy Church just this week, and he said, do you still see healing miracles? And I said, absolutely. However, not every healing manifests in this life. But can I just share something to you? I have spinal stenosis in my lower back. Every morning I get up and it hurts. Some days it's a 2, some days it's an 8. You know, it just kind of depends on the day but I'm not going to go through eternity with a bad back. I'm not going to go through eternity with a bald head. I'm, seriously, I'm going to have beautiful hair. It's going to be long. Y'all going to be jealous of it. It's going to look so good. I'm going to look good. I'm going through eternity. I'm not going to have a muffin top. I'm going to have an eight-pack or a nine-pack or a six. I don't know what I'm going to have. It's all going to be packed in there, and it's going to be ripped, and it's going to be good. It's going to, I'm going to have that because my eternal body is way better than my body now, and I won't have to go to the gym or skip carbs to get it. Can I get an amen from somebody in this house? And, and so I can look with great expectation to the future, knowing that, you know, there is hope for my body to be restored in this life. But I also know that whatever pain or whatever I go through because I'm 61 and not 16, you know, whatever the issues are that I deal with, that in eternity, when Christ returns, he will restore to me the full rights of my inheritance, everything that he died for me to have. And you know some That makes living with this current affliction of no account. There's even a verse about that someplace. So that's pretty cool. We have hope that Christ's return will bring an end to death and decay, but we also have hope that while we wait, he will help us to live holy lives. I don't want to see anybody raise their hands, but here's the truth. All of you online, all of you in person, you struggle to live holy lives because that's what it means to be human. And yet we have this, this verse that says, and the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. A lot of times you're trying to fix yourself and you keep praying for yourself. Maybe you need to pray in the Holy Ghost for a bit. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. We live in the most dopamine-addicted generation in the history of the world. Right? You guys know what dopamine is? It's kind of like an artificial opiate, and it's, it's a, it's, it's a painkiller. It's a rush. It's a, it's, it's a drug that your body produces naturally. And God intended you to have dopamine what he didn't intend for you to do is to scroll through tiktok for 12 hours a day getting a perpetual boom 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 it's like having you know crack you know in, in an m&m bowl and you just keep popping one every so often and you get addicted to it we all do. that's what happens that's why porn is addictive that's why you know drugs are addictive that's why some in codependent relationships are addictive they all feed that oh, that, that dopamine hit And we just keep we keep just indulging in it. And everybody has a challenge with it. It's it's just the nature. But here's the deal: the struggles that we face in this world, knowing that Jesus is going to come back, should give us a revelation that they can have a positive influence. The things that we go through, the things that we deal with, we can share with other people and say, you know something? I was where you were, and here's where I found help. I was where you were until I realized that those things offered me a pale shadow of the blessings and the satisfaction that God really wants for me. And the, and, and, and the blessings of this world pale, into, pale in comparison to the blessings that are going to come when Jesus returns. Once I got a revelation, oh, my gosh, God has so many good things for us. Why don't we just embrace those instead of these? Why do we trade what is precious for that which is a momentary hit of tripping issues. <laughs> you know, it's all that. We have that hope that while we wait, He will help us. We can go to Him and say, God, give me revelation. Show me how I walk away from this. Because everybody's got stuff you want to walk away from. Some of you have some pecan pie in the refrigerator. You'd be better off throwing it out than eating it, or bringing it to the church and donating it to the pastor. One of those two. <laughs> I like pecan pie. It's not good for me, but I like it. You know what I'm saying? We need to begin to have hope, to have an expectation of better days ahead, and have an expectation that I'm not going to be addicted or or compelled or, or, or deal with this junk forever. There is freedom in Christ because Christ died for us. So we have that hope. But we also have a hope that we will find grace when at last we stand before God. The Bible says explicitly, it is appointed unto each man to die once and then face judgment, man being man or woman. Everybody dies, everybody faces judgment. But I don't fear the judgment of God. It says in, in this passage, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. God has given us right standing. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. I make mistakes. I do stupid things that I shouldn't. I don't think I'm alone. I'm pretty sure that at least six people in this room could say amen to that same statement. Would you six raise your hands? No, we're not (laughs) going to. I mean, but but that's sin. It's not anything that's harmful to ourselves or harmful to others through us. And and yet, I am not an unrighteous man because God has declared me righteous. Now, the the church has been accused of all kinds of stuff for centuries. Ah, they're hypocrites. You know, know, they're they're false believers. They, they They don't live what they preach. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. We should. We should. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But the reality is that every single pastor, every single deacon, every single elder, every single believer has clay feet. We all do stuff wrong, but I don't fear the judgment of God. I don't fear the second coming of Christ because Christ has declared me clean and sinless. And that imagery of Jesus sitting beside the Father pleading for us, have you ever interceded for somebody who did something wrong? Have you ever gone to a boss to try to help a friend keep their job? Have you ever gone to a spouse whose, whose, whose spou- or excuse me, gone to a friend whose spouse had, had done something wrong and intercedes, "I know, I know he's a knucklehead. I know he's stupid. It's always the guy who's a knucklehead, isn't it? it just, I know they did something stupid, but would you give him a pass? I think they deserve a pass. I think you ought to give them a second or a third or a fourth chance. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, have you ever been an advocate for somebody who did something wrong? And said, you know, let your grace. That, that's the imagery we have of Christ, is, is when you fall and when I fall, when we all fall, he sits at the throne of God and says to the Father, man, give him a pass. Give him a pass, God. Give him a pass. I shed my blood for them. I, shed, I, I died for them. I suffered for them. Yeah. See them through my eyes. And that's a promise we have of God. And that's a powerful promise. We bring this message to a conclusion with this encouragement that Paul wrote to the Romans or from Rome. He says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Who wants to be patient in trouble? We just want it to end. In fact, we live in a society that the first, the first sign of any pain, what do we do? We medicate it. Come on, we medicate it. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of painkillers on the shelf at home, each for different parts of pain. But, but <laughs> people know what I'm talking about. But, but, but the reality is sometimes God wants you to experience pain. He wants you to go through pain because there, there is, there's a benefit to you facing something that would only come out If you were allowed to experience the consequences of maybe a decision you made or somebody else made, maybe it'll give you a sympathy or a grace or a compassion for people who are in similar situations. I can't explain why God allows us to experience pain, but I can tell you this, and we read it this morning, that God causes all things to work to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so we we are patient in trouble, and we keep on praying. We don't keep on whining on our better days. We don't keep on accusing. We don't keep on blaming. We don't keep on you know cussing and yelling and posting and all the other stuff. We keep on praying. We keep on going to the Father and saying, you know, Christ, we have hope because you're coming back. God, God we have hope that, that the injustices we see are going to be turned around someday. God, we have hope. Lord, that 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 our lives are not going to be meritless or or without significance, that we're going to do something. We have hope that 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 you're going to be glorified in our works. We have hope that the pain, the physical and emotional pain that I'm enduring will someday come to an end, and I will spend eternity in my glorified body. We have hope that we will not live perpetually addicted to whatever it is that compels us, our hurts, our habits, our hangups, and that God can bring freedom and, and deliverance. We have hope. That, that when we stand before God, we need not fear his judgment. I don't have to be, I'm, I, I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of what is there because by his grace, I am saved. And so we will be confident in that hope and we will be patient in trouble and we will keep on praying. By tradition, every Sunday of Advent, You light light a candle if you have some better dexterity than I do. There we go. This is the hope candle. Hear something funny? We showed this in first service, and somebody saw it on the video, and they said, how come you're holding a candle that says hate? (laughs) Because it's H-O-P-E. I want to just say that it is not hate. It is H-O-P-E. I thought that was funny, but I have a twisted sense of humor. Why do we, hope we do that? Well, during these, these 28 days, the, the encouragement by tradition is that you'll take these next seven days and you'll think about what it is about second coming that brings hope into our lives. Maybe consider the points that I shared this morning. Take these home with you. Or maybe think of some of your own. Hey, what is it about Jesus' return that changes how I see myself and how I see the future? And think about how you feel. Do you live in a place of despair or do you live in a place of anticipating good and better days ahead. And so I pray that, that just as we light this candle, it, it, is, it is the initiation of an intimacy with God this week with, for you. that you can spend some time with your Father in your morning time or your evening or over your lunch hour, whenever you pray, to really think about, you know, God, you've been so good to me. And I'm so glad you're coming back. Because when you come back, everything changes. And we do receive the fullness of the inheritance that Christ died for us to have. And that, that is something to look forward to. If you would stand with me for the end of the service, if you can. I know some of you may have a physical issue, but if you're watching online as well, I would like to ask you to stand. And I'd like you to focus, if you could, on this candle and focus on it as an initiator or a a spark to begin a period of Advent this holiday season that's more than just opening a door and eating some dark chocolate. It's opening a door and experiencing change. Father, I pray for each and every one, those online and in person, I pray, God, for the power of the Word to be fully realized, that the Word of God will be living and active, that it will be sharp like a two-edged sword, that it would bring light and truth and revelation into us, and that God, that, that gift of hope would just be released in us. That, that we would just have that emotional transformation that says that your future is bright just as this candle is bright. Because that is the promise that comes with the assurance that Christ will return. I thank you for that and I pray for each and every one here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.